So, did you guys read any of your books between last week and this week? Yes. Well, I can't. Okay, but true. I tried, I went down to the 14th floor and didn't know if you guys knew we had a library. Oh, I didn't even know there was a 14th floor. And apparently they use the Huey decimal system. Huh. Uh Huh. And the librarian gets real mad if you don't put everything right back where he, Huey, believes it goes. Mm. Oh. I spent the rest of the week reorganizing the whole library. So, let's get on with it. (laughs) Theme song. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to Draft the Universe. This is the Nerd Fight Battle Royal. This is the podcast where we pick a topic, pick our favorites, and then fight to the death, or maybe just for bragging rights. I'm Jafar. I'm still here. Hi, Seth. And I'm Ben. (laughs) And we're here today to debate fantasy books. Which are, as it turns out, books with a fantasy theme and not books that are unreal. Yes. But that's okay. It can be both. I mean, clearly. Yeah. I'll make it work. That's fine. If the draft master accepted your your uh, draft picks, we're good to go. That probably means something. Yeah. We don't know, but I would assume so. Yeah. There have been a few occasions where it hasn't, so... <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Huh. Boy, yeah. So, as I mentioned in the cold open, I ha- I did reread one of my books between last week and this week. What'd you get to? Um, I reread uh, uh, Homelands from the Fables comics. Okay. Very good. Just because it is so great. Yeah. I actually, the only thing I really had time to reread was the Sandman books. Um, so. Also, just comic length. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I am very, very excited. I, I've, I've done my research. I am well prepared. I feel like I am, well, pretty much any fantasy author sitting down to write a book. Like, I've, I've, done my, I've done my pregame work, and I'm ready to get going. Are you? I think so. Because the first match is Ben versus Jafar. Okay. So if you're ready to just get into it, we can get into it. We can get into it. Well, I... I made the, the first thrust against you by drafting this first. I will strike it again home by using it first against you. I am taking the Kingkiller Chronicle. Use a dick. Yeah, I know. But I'm just channeling my inner quoth. Because um, he's a dick. That he is. Yeah, he's not a good person. <laughs> Nor does he ever really pretend to... Well... He kind of does pretend to be at a handful of junctures, actually. There's a few times where he thinks he's a good person, and it's like, why does everybody keep treating me like I'm an asshole? It's like, because you've been treating everyone else like an asshole. It's true, Quoth. Nobody likes smug people. And everyone on the internet who's all, you're Mary Sue, Quoth, and I'm all like, he is not a 
perfect character at all. He's telling his own story, and even he makes himself sound like an asshole sometimes. So you can imagine getting the unreliable narrator um, that I believe he will prove to be if we ever get a third book. Please, Patrick J. Rothrus, don't become George R.R. Martin. Um, and turn your trilogy into a seven-book series that spans three decades to, to come out? Yeah. Well, you picked King Killer, and my initial reaction in the draft was Lord of the Rings. I think we'll go with that here. All we'll right. just do first picks, first match. Great. Um, I was going to grab a criteria, but instead of a box, all I see is that giant um, King James Bible. Um it looks like, oh, yeah, it's hollowed out. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I guess that's our box full of criteria. Good. Yeah. Looks like it. Also, although, I don't, like, normally you want a hardcover for that. Hollowing out a, a leather-bound book is kind of weird, but, eh. It's the bunker. It's not for us to decide. That's true. Yep. Okay. Pitch a beer themed on your novel. Benjamin. Okay. Keep in mind, I have read Lord of the Rings. I have never read King Killer Chronicles. You really should. I. It's on my list. Yeah. Do we have a copy down here? Um, I know I do. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you, Jafar. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had worn that shirt today, but we'll get to that in a minute. You get to go first, Ben. Okay. So the tricky thing is... Uh, the bookends and interspersed throughout the books is Kvothe is telling his story to a chronicler. And so his his bit where he is telling the story, he is a bartender. And at several bits he describes, like, drinks he makes. And I'm wishing I had any of those committed to memory right now. But we're starting, uh, we're starting with a very simple fact. Uh... It is a red, because Quoth is a redhead. Uh, okay, good. And I think what we are going to do is part of the story of the King Killer Chronicle is about how he, in his own lifetime, before he like in Alexander the Great, speed becomes beyond legendary. Uh, there are several instances where uh, the people in the town he is the bartender in do not know he is the the, the legendary Kvoth, mm-hmm. uh, and he gets them to tell, like, Kvoth stories, and they're all different from the stories he is explaining to the, the biographer, the chronicler. And so we get to see how, even in, you know, a decade... His life has been rewritten by people, not him. Um, And that adds some real darkness, some real bitterness to the character of Kvothe. So I'm saying we're going with a red rye. Okay. Something a little little off, a little... Have you ever pitched a not rye beer for this criteria? (laughs) Why would I? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Fair enough. But it adds complexity, it adds deepness of flavor... But uh, I think we need to add one final thing uh, to really 
really bring out both the the sweetness of remembrance and the 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 tart of regret. So I'm adding some apricot to it. So it is an apricot red rye. I would drink that. Okay. That sounds good. Although I really wish you would have known one of the drinks that he talks about in the book. Because then mostly you probably mixed, would have won a hand at They're mixed down. drinks. Or me, uh, meads. Oh, he does, okay. He does make, I believe, a melomel mead in it, which is a fruited mead. Um, and it's actually on point because um, Patrick Rothruss, like, in college, he had a roommate who made mead. And it's like his roommate's recipe, and he actually put it up on his blog. Nice. Patrick Rothfuss looks like the kind of guy where it's just like, yeah, you probably brew beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does. And I like to think I cultivate that image myself sometimes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I have a t-shirt for a fake beer from Lord of the Rings. I'm not wearing it right now, but it is Minas Tirith White Ale. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to lean in. Uh, for that, for the people who've seen me either wear this shirt or aware of it, it was one of those online shirts that you can yeah. get occasionally, like shirt of the day things. Um, so one of those cool designs that is probably unlicensed and disappears real quick because whoever has the copyright is like, Hey, stop it. Yeah. yeah one of those. Hopefully money went to an artist. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Minas Tirith white ale, uh, for the white city. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a uh, Belgian white. I feel like I pitched a Belgian the last time we did this too, mm-hmm. but I do <laughs> I do really enjoy them. So what we're going to do is we're going to give it, it's going to be just a standard, you start with basically a Blondale, right? Okay. Um, but you put in a bunch of flaked wheat that you then don't filter. Um, oh. So you get a like, Almost, it's not like it's snowy, like it's free floating, but it's a very thick looking um, particulate mm-hmm. you get from the unfiltered wheat in a beer um, that does make give it like a white hue. Okay. And then just to lean in more, we're going to put some juniper sprigs in it. Oh, shit. I love me some juniper. Um, I'm actually making a, uh, my father in law is going to be getting me some juniper sprigs soon. Uh, from his uh, the land that they live on where it's p- bountiful there. Nice. And um, is going to send that up my way. Hopefully here in a couple of days I'm going to make a juniper mango wheat. Good. Okay. Um, so, But regardless, um, that's not this beer. That's not this beer. That's this beer. Um, and then addi- in addition to that, um, on the very back end, almost like a dry hop. So after the flavor is mostly established, mm-hmm. um, we're going to go ahead and put some white tea in there. Not a lot. I don't want it to be a main flavor at all. I want it to be on like the finish. Yeah. It's like a nice white tea. Well, this is tough because I would drink both those beers happily. Now I'm really mad. I've been looking up trying to find out what kind of tree the white tree of Gondor is. And it like... It's a tree. Yeah. They, they <laughs> never say what kind of tree it is. And I'm like, not even some like fake, like, here's an elf name. And you click on that, the, the tree, like on the uh, Lord of the Rings wiki. And it's just like, this is the tree that is the white tree of Gondor. And it's like, this is the most disappointing wiki entry. <laughs> they don't even say what kind of tree it is. And now I'm mad. Having um, Tolkien, famous linguist, not a botanist. <laughs> Having um, read part of the Silmarillion and listen to the audiobook for all of it. I think the White Tree of Gondor came from a cutting 
from, gosh, it's been a long time since I've done any Silmarillion, from from the land where the Valar live. Uh, and those, Isildur is given a, a fruit that yeah. he plants the seed from, yeah. yeah. But they don't say what kind of tree Well, that's it is. because it's God tree. And, yeah. and it beats all real trees. Yeah, it's but you'd think they'd like have some elvish tree, name for God, God tree. tree. Yeah. <laughs> tree, the yeah. world's tree. Yeah, that's fair. One of those. Sorry. Anyway. I was just No, if I knew what kind of tree it was, <clears throat> I would have tried to incorporate. Yeah. Uh, but I also am not able to identify what the white tree I mean, we could yeah. I guess find what tree they used in the production of the movie. It might be it's, the closest. It's, it's probably not even a real tree. They probably like CGI'd a tree. Yeah. I was just, I was dumbfounded that I was trying to do a little bit of opposition research right now and I couldn't find out what kind of tree it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, based on like the branching structure and the formation of it, it is very similar to an oak. That doesn't mean it is an oak. There's a lot of trees that have that kind of formation. Um, you are the person I would call if I needed to know something like this. Yeah. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Because we have beer. That's true. It's true. And I'm having a real hard time. Because, Jafar, your description of that Minas Tirith White Ale sounds very, very good. But I do tend to prefer a red most of the time. So I think I'm going to have to give it to Ben on that one. All right. Yeah. I mean, a red with rye. I've had red ryes before. I know. It's just the coloring is going to be interesting. It's It'll be... The natural color of rye will tend to make that more brownish yeah, it, in the brew process. And so to actually get, like, a, like, ginger, like, quote, red rye would be an incredible challenge from a coloring brewing standpoint. And that's yeah. not me talking shit. For the record, that's me thinking about how I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we are getting close to the point where we can make a six-pack of beers we've pitched on this podcast. <laughs> and I need to get brewing here soon. Mm -hmm. It's that time of year, so. All yeah. right. Well, I am I am now really thirsty, so <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> All right. Next match is Jafer versus Seth. Okay. And in the middle of Galatians... Third Galatians? I don't I don't recognize this the some of the references in, in this Bible. Okay. It is King James. I mean I'm I don't think even even the Catholic King James has three Galatians. Okay. Uh Seth, make your pick. Or no, Jafer, make your pick. I'm gonna go with Sandman Fables and Reflections. Alright. I know nothing about that. And so I think I'm going to go with the book that I also know the least about on my list and okay. will have the hardest time arguing um, just to get it out of the way and take Un Ausbrechlichen Kulten or Nameless Cults by Friedrich von Junz from H.P. Lovecraft uh, series. Okay. okay. I feel real bad for you this, this game, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Kevin J. Anderson is writing a new book in your fantasy book series. It's pretty good, but he totally messes up blank. I'm checking because he he might have. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Kevin J. Anderson uh, took over and continued the Dune series. Yes. And he has a 
list of writing credits as long as my arm. And lots of stuff that is um, with other people's properties. Not that he doesn't have his own. He has a handful of his own mm-hmm. original works here and there, his original series is here and there. Um, but he does do, like, Star Wars books. He did some X-Files books. He did some StarCraft books. He's all over the place. Okay, so Kevin J. Anderson is writing a novel set within uh, the Sandman. I'm just going to refer to it obliquely as the whole series instead of my graphic novel that I drafted for the sake of um, succinctness. Fair enough. Um, So uh, there's the main characters of the Sandman series who are the Endless. They are Sandman, Mudman, Dustman. (laughs) <laughs> Dirt man. <laughs> you know... There was a rock man, but Seth threw him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the seven endless are just aspects of all creation, right? And uh, the firstborn is destiny, and the secondborn is, dr- is death. And death will be the last one at the end of time. Um, death will come for uh, her brothers and sisters. So there's Destiny, Death, Dream, who is the main character of the Sandman series, um, Destruction, Desire, Despair, and Delirium. And Dean. And Dean Winchester. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wonder if Kevin J. Anderson wrote for uh, Supernatural. I'd believe it. Anyways, uh, so these all kind of super... I mean, they're all very weird. Destiny knows literally everything that's ever going to happen. Um, You know, death is the Grim Reaper if the Grim Reaper wore a 90s goth girl. Um, You know, Dream has a giant kingdom of the sleeping. You know, like, destruction is the embodiment of war. Desire is the embodiment uh, you get it mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. despair and delirium and so the thing that kevin j anderson messes up with this is delirium because kevin j anderson is kind of a straight shooter mm-hmm. i get i get that feel from his books i get that feel from looking at pictures of him uh the, the kind of vibe i get from him and the only way you can really write delirium is if you had a life experiences like having a three-way with Tori Amos and Trent Reznor. <laughs> so, Neil Gaiman's led an interesting life. That's pure speculation, for the record. Um, I don't mean to shit talk. Neil Gaiman's married to one of my favorite artists of all time, Amanda Palmer. Um, and I don't mean to bring up any bad blood, should, for whatever reason, they happen to listen to this podcast. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeesh. I don't even know what that would be like. Neil Gaiman does seem like the kind of guy who on a lark would just like search podcasts for references to him and just listen to it. Yeah. Remind me to put in hashtag Neil Gaiman when we uh, put this one up just in case. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he messes up delirium because he hasn't done enough drugs in his life. All right. That's fair. Delirium speaks in multicolored text bubbles. Where the text shrinks and gets larger as they talk and is just doesn't make a lot of sense most of the time, but kind of does in hindsight. Delirium's a very interesting character. Okay. Seth. 
How do they write a sequel to your book of cults? Well, first we have to have a little bit of history of the Black Book um, so we know where we're going with it. Now, this is not the BBC sitcom, Black Books. No, certainly not. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> this Black is, Books is great. This is Unnamed Cults, um, originally written, supposedly, by Friedrich Wilhelm von Junst in 1839. So it's been around for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Um, it was published again in London in 1845, um, simply for shock value mm-hmm. to the masses, um, but was misprinted and poorly translated um, from the German and didn't do very well. Um, in 1909, it was published again, this time in New York. Mm-hmm. And did very poorly because of such high production costs and making it very expensive. What Mr. Anderson does is he doesn't actually write a sequel. He rewrites the original. He takes this book, translates it from the German, and then because he has so much experience uh, with mass market production, he figures out the reason historically it is done very poorly And that's because people have a hard time discussing the book. And if you can't discuss a book, what's the point in even reading it in the first place? Mm -hmm. And you can't discuss a book where you don't know the names of any of the characters or any of the parties. It's really wordy to have to say the one cult that did the thing this time and then the other time did the other thing and believes this every time you want to say that. So he goes through and names all of the nameless cults. Ooh. And that's how he screws it up. Cutting down the word count would cut down the page count. It would, but it also kind of ruins the mystique. Of all the unnamed cults, yeah. Exactly. Hmm. Does it cut the page count down to, like, nothing? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, not nothing, but significantly less yeah the abridged version yeah i'm wondering if kevin j anderson gets a paycheck for this (laughs) i mean i doubt he's paid by the word he might be i'm no he's probably just paid by the number of copies sold yeah Mm. um well that's rough because one with uh, jaffer's book you're screwing up aspects of creation And with Seth's book, you're possibly pissing off Cthulhu cults. Very, very dangerous. Either way, you could unmake the universe just by by writing a sequel. Uh, So neither of these books should ever be made. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fortunately, uh, I think that the choice comes down to uh, what I'm more afraid of. And having played a lot of uh, Call of the... Call of Cthulhu campaigns. I'm definitely more scared of monster of unknown monster cults than I am of Neil Gaiman comic books because I like those for the most part. Um, so I'm giving this point to Seth. Yes, one point for Seth. All right, the next match is Seth versus Ben. Oh, that makes me pick first, huh? Yes, indeed. What's Ben gonna pick? Let's see. You don't get to know that. No, I don't. That's, that's but how I this works. but I can try and guess. Do you want me to tell you what I got? 
I can tell you what he's got too. As why don't both of you at the same time and see who gets done first? Well, love Storm of Swords is what I got. got Don't start a riot. He's got the long. (laughs) You feel it when the band gets hot. He's got Homer's Iliad. That was terrible radio. (laughs) (laughs) radio, But I liked it a lot. Um. All right, I'm gonna take Men of Fire and Women of Air by Alora, daughter of Amar, daughter of Kura, from Lord of Chaos, Wheel of Time series. You're gonna take the Iliad. He was. He no. was, and now he can't. But now I he can't. No, because I was actually, you were taking, uh, what's the name of the book again? Lord of Chaos. Uh, no, the, the prequel to it. Uh, oh, the Wheel of Time series? No, the name of the book. Men oh, of the Fire, book. Women of Air? That, yeah. yeah. Sounded uh, a little familiar to yeah. one of your other picks, perhaps? It, it sounded really close to A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, well, that's... And so when you said that, my thought was, yes, but I also have uh, a comic book that involves air babies. Uh, so I'm going with Fables, Homelands. All right. Okay. The main villains of your story are in a lip sync battle. What song does your villain perform, and why does he, she, they beat your opponent? Are you all right? Yeah, I just started to get a cramp in my leg, but I took care of it. Okay. I appreciate your concern. Um... I was really worried that this criteria was going to come up and I would have to debate it because most of my books don't actually have bad guys. <laughs> or, um, or have characters. Yeah. <laughs> so, Men of Fire, Women of Air was written um, was written by Alora um, during the age of Arthur Hawkwing, Arthur Hawkwing um, and deals with how the Red Aja of the Aes Sedai um, take care of uh, men who can channel the one power. So for those of you listening that aren't familiar with the Wheel of Time, um, the magic system is split up between men and women. They each access separate halves of the one power. And when men do it, they go crazy. So only women are allowed to do it. And the Aes Sedai are effectively the... Would you call them the, like, the magic police? Um, they are the magic police and also, like, the police. Yeah, the police. So they are policing you while also preventing any dude magic from happening. Right, and the Red Aja specifically tasks um, themselves with finding and stilling men who can channel the one power. And to still them... Um, means that they are basically cut off um, magically from the source of magic, the one power. Um, So in this situation, I'm going to frame the men who will channel the one power and go crazy as the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And they're going to lip-sync battle Bohemian Rhapsody because there's enough individual men that can channel the one power that they can get all the different voices and the staccatos and the stilettos and the, I don't know, I don't know music words. Um, you got to watch out for the staccatos. <laughs> yeah. I was more worried about the stilettos myself. <laughs> um, and, and they, they go back and forth and, and do the real high pitched, um, Mamma Mia's. Mamma Mia's and, and then the real low no. 
kind of things. Um, and they can use the one power to amplify their voices and, and really project that Beelzebub kind of a thing, you know? And uh, it's, it's very well choreographed, and there's lots of, you know, fire and, and earth-shaking dramatics. And that gong at the end, that's just the whole world going... I have a feeling a bunch of men in one place using the one power could really bring down the house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben. Okay, so I believe I mentioned this last time, which if you haven't read Fables, you should, it's great. It is a surprise about a third of the way into the into the run of the story where you actually find out who the bad guy is. And the bad guy is Geppetto. And Geppetto is a fascinating villain because very early on, one of the major characters in the book is Pinocchio, who thinks his dad is dead. He doesn't know where Geppetto is, doesn't know nobody knows who who the adversary is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, Boy Blue, uh, in this just incredibly amazing badass uh, comic book, just murders his way across the Empire and finds his, his way to Geppetto, not realizing he's the bad guy, just trying to return uh, Pinocchio's body to him uh, as a, uh, a last bit of good f goodwill towards his friend. Uh, and that's when we find out that Geppetto's actually the person behind all of this, and we find out that he accidentally started the evil empire that has overrun all of the fables, uh, the, all of their homeworlds. Uh, basically, every uh, his local, like, everybody around his village was like, hey, our count's kind of crazy, and you can build, you know and use the Blue Fairy's magic to make lifelike rep reproductions of people. How about we just, like, disappear our nutso count and replace him? You know, it'll make everyone's life better because, like, one week he'll demand everybody pays their taxes in golden statues of himself, and the <laughs> next day, uh, say, you pay, you know, your taxes in, you know, leather-bound books of poetry about how awesome I am, and it's making everybody's lives miserable, and you're just helping everybody by doing this. And they do that, and everything's better, and they're like, yeah, okay, it's about time to shuffle the count off, but his son's really an asshole. How about we just preempt this one? And they replace him, and they're like, hey, that duke next door, he keeps trying to raid, and he's just, you know, being a, a militaristic guy. How about we just make everybody's lives easier? And the next thing he knows, he's replaced everybody in, like, hundreds of miles that can, you know do anything because uh, it made everybody's lives easier. And he realized, oh, I've already started an empire. <laughs> um, and really, when it comes to being Geppetto, there's only one song you can sing. And that is Master of Puppets by Metallica. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, Ben, that song is eight and a half minutes long. Fucking right. <laughs> yeah. And you don't get to leave because everywhere you look, there is a motionless puppet man standing, not letting you do anything but smile and clap and laugh. And if you don't, you will be made an example of because the emperor is singing. <laughs> I appreciate that you took a very long song, being that Bohemian Rhapsody is also, you know, greater than five minutes. Yeah. 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 It's not eight and a half. It's not eight and a half, though. 
No, but they're both very long. They're both long enough. Yeah. They're so long that I don't think even Jimmy Kimmel, or not Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon can smile and laugh and pretend like everything's okay. <laughs> he hosts that show, right? Um, so it started as a bit on his show, yeah. and then it got its own show. Yes. That yeah. bit became its own show hosted yeah. by LL Cool J on TBS Don't Fact Check Me. Ever. On anything I say. <laughs> please. <laughs> I really hate lip sync battles. I think they're dumb. And I really hate Jimmy Fallon. You can you should hashtag Jimmy Fallon in case he's listening too, <laughs> so he can so that, that he can know that Seth fucking hates Jimmy Fallon. He's not funny at all. He's not trying to be. He's trying to be simple and pleasing so that you can get from interview to interview. He seems very disingenuous. They had a bit on his show where he had a member of the Roots name like a hundred Pokemon like two days ago. That is, I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that was fun. He's going through all the Pokemon and he's like listing them all numerically. <laughs> and he's like, Hunt, you know, Ghastly, Hauntar, Sandslash. And then he's all like, you didn't get a Gengar? And then he's just like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> it was real funny. And it's even funnier because Gengar is only evolution through trade. So it just means he didn't have a friend to play with. Aww. Or two Game Boys. Or two Game, or Boys. two Game Boys. But if he caught all the other ones up until that point, he must. Anyways. Anyways, uh, I can't not pick Geppetto Master of Puppets. Yeah. Nope. No, that was really good. That's, that's really good, then. You can try, but all these puppets will not let you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's the end of the first round of matches. Ben has two points and Seth has one point. And the next match is Jaffer versus Ben. All right. And I will go ahead and take fucking Star Wars. The Star Wars Trilogy. All right. Against Star Wars, I think there's only one play I can make. I'm going with the Iliad. All right. All right. Crack this uh, book back open. Let's see. The characters in your books are starting a podcast. What is it about, and what's its name? All right. Tell me about that Star Wars podcast. Okay. It's called Kessel Runs. It's about how you poop on spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ben, I'd love to see you make a Lincoln Log joke here. but uh, that, that is my best joke I have ever made. Uh, <laughs> it's a really good joke. Um, no, so I'm just, I'm trying to think exactly who I want on this podcast right now. I know what the podcast is. Um, it's going to be a, like really like hard science podcast right um it's going to be talking about um it's going to be mostly physics based and they're going to be talking about um the actual mechanics behind everything in star wars which don't really have good explanations so i'm thinking we're gonna do uh luke or not luke no luke doesn't know that shit we'll do obi-wan um well okay We'll do Obi-Wan's ghost as translated through Luke. Okay. So this takes place after A New Hope. Yeah. So Luke is there, and he doesn't want to be there, but Obi-Wan is telling him what to say through Force Ghost. Okay. And then we'll get Wedge on there, because I trust Wedge to know a lot of physics stuff from his awesome ability in Space Battle, mm -hmm. and for the same reason, we'll go ahead and grab Sunterfell. Um... 
and it's I don't know that character. He's, he's wedge he, yeah. for the Empire. He is the best okay. Imperial pilot in the expanded universe. He's probably the best pilot in all of Star Wars. Okay. Ever. Do he and Wedge ever go against each other? Because they never do in the X-Wing books. I don't know. And even if they did, they, they're they like frenemies, right? No. Or wait, no. It's something with his, his uh, sister? Sutra Fell married Wedge Antilles' sister, and he is trying to find out where his sister is. And so it's... I, I can destroy you, but I can't kill... Like, I can destroy your TIE fighter, but I can't kill you because you need to tell me where the fuck my sister is, asshole. Okay. And well, there's one time a guy is pretending to be Sutrafell and uh, Wedge shoots him down and he crashes into a lake and he gets in there and he, like, rips it open. He's like, you motherfucking fake. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, my hard physics podcast about the Star Wars universe is May the Force Be With You. Okay. Because force and physics. Yeah. Because force and physics, yeah. yeah. I thought it was going to be a politics podcast where every year the... I every the Senate. Yeah, every episode <laughs> they, they talk to somebody important in, in politics, but it's just Palpatine going on. <laughs> I wa- Truth be told, I wanted to do that. I thought of that. But we specifically limited it to a single trilogy in the draft, and I specified the original trilogy. Oh, that is true. So That's I couldn't true. make that prequel joke, even though it is very, very good. <laughs> Today on I Am the Senate, Senate. (laughs) we are interviewing the Senate. I am the Senate. (laughs) (laughs) End of podcast. See you next week. (laughs) No, no, he would talk like in depth about his views and stuff, but it would just be like a one person rant where there is no guest. I mean, there might be a guest, but they're always a yes man. Uh, That would be fun. Okay, so. When you are sieging the city of Troy for 10 years, you got a lot of downtime. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you do in between hoping that the, the uh, Trojans send out a raiding party, hoping that maybe this time when you form up, Apollo won't just show up and murder you? Because that happens a lot. The gods are very, <laughs> very involved in, in the, the siege of Troy. And it gets, like, real weird. (laughs) Um, That it does. So, you have, I think it is a a -a twice-a-week podcast. And uh, on Mondays, the Sieging Greeks get together, and it's, you know, Achilles, it's Ajax, it's Ajax, it's Odysseus. It's all of the great heroes, and they get together and they talk about, you know, just what they've been doing to keep themselves occupied during the week of siege, uh, what their, you know, thoughts are on when, when they're going to get home, uh, you know, who won the, the chariot races between the, the rich princes <laughs> who were just bored out of their mind, uh, and, you know, some simple action reports like, oh yeah, we snuck in and, you know, killed all these, you know, guys trying to flank us and burn our, you know... Uh, our grain stores and then on Wednesdays uh, the Trojans release an episode Uh, and it's uh, Hector it's Paris it's uh, Priam they're you know talking about life inside the greatest most defensible city in the world when the you know the Greek army is outside Mm -hmm. and 
you know, Paris is bragging about how pretty his new wife Helen is, and <laughs> Hector is, you know, he's always got a bit of, you really, all of these people are dead because you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't deal with just, like, the prettiest girl in Troy, you had to go for the prettiest girl in Greece, yeah. even though she was married to the king of Greece. Um, and they talk about what they've been doing, how they're, you know, keeping up the built, uh, the the walls, how they're uh, continuing to rearm and re-up and how, you know, you know, there's some bragging going on about how, oh, we've got stores that'll last another 10 years. The Greeks mm-hmm. are just wasting their time out there. We'll have, uh, you know, kids who grow up and their whole lives, they'll just be like, and my whole childhood, there were these Greek assholes outside, but then they all left and they never got to father children because they were all here. Um and it's really kind of when you're not fighting each other, it's a way of both passing the time and trading barbs back and forth mm-hmm. uh, when you don't want to actually go out and, you know, yell at everybody else because they'll shoot arrows at you. Right. Um, and I think it would be called the Aegean Sea Podcast. Okay. Can I can I pitch you one? A Please, yeah. Achilles, Achille, it's it's a different podcast completely. Um, Achilles reviews Raw and SmackDown every week, um, only talking about bad guy wrestlers, and it's called Achilles Heel, with an apostrophe. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking because it's it's the Greeks from one side of the the Aegean and the Trojans from the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the Aegean podcast. I didn't come. I didn't have a good name, but no. I had an. I had a concept. Yeah, um, I'm not going to judge you on that name. That's fair enough. Because Jafaris was also just that pun was just real, real bad. <laughs> hey, leave the puns out of this. If you take the puns away, I'm just done. I'm off this podcast. But I'm not a big fan of just like rambling how's it going type podcast that's fair enough and i very much like the potential drama created between two people at the top of their field from opposite teams and and then just the exasperated banter added in by luke um throughout the show seems like a lot of fun so i'm gonna go with may the force be with you see i think that podcast would be Annoying to Star Tre- Star Wars fans because it's trying to make it Star Trek and be annoying to Star Trek fans because they're trying, trying to, to make it Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but as as somebody that's not watched any Star Trek and only enough Star Wars to be vaguely familiar with it, I like it on the scientific merits. Yeah. All right. The next match is Seth versus Jafar. Ooh. Go ahead and lock one in, Seth. Well, I'm realizing that I should have spent less time. So, even if Chris does get back, you guys still haven't showed me where the exit is. We don't know. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so I've spent most of last week trying to find the exit instead of doing any kind of preparation for this debate. Okay. Um, which is, I guess, my bad since I didn't find it anyway. But I did find, on the plus side... A lot of Petoskey stones down here, which is weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I've got a whole pocket full. I'll show you guys later. Cool. Um, so I guess... Oh shit, that reminds me of something. Something I am fairly familiar with is the TV show Seinfeld. I have several seasons <laughs> on DVD. So I'm going to go with Venetian Blinds by Art Vandelay. 
alias George Costanza. Okay. Um, Played by Jason Alexander. Well, to go against Venetian blinds, I think I will take... I don't really have anything that pairs well. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess... Uh, Go for that juxtaposition, then. Well, that's the thing, is I don't really have that either. Oh, okay. Um, but I guess a lot of the characters... George Costanza, in particular, is super depressed. Yeah. And Rorschach is in Watchmen, so... Good enough. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, and this came out of Fourth Kings... Huh. This is a weird Bible. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, let's see how this goes. I don't like that look on your <laughs> face, but okay. You can send one character from your book to your opponent's story. How do they fare? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Define fa how do they fare. I want to know... I want some criteria. Also define clarify. character. Uh, you are sending a, a character, a person from that book, to your opponent's book, and whoever tells the most compelling story about how they do wins. Okay. Okay. Seth, tell me about all those interesting characters in Venetian <laughs> Blinds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want me to give you a little bit of help from my perspective? No. Okay. I think I got this. Um, what's the name of... It's like an owl-shaped ship that they drive around, right? Uh, In Watchmen? Yes. What is the name of that boat? In Watchmen? Archimedes? Yeah. I don't remember offhand, sorry. All right, but it's got windows, right? Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so... Most of the time, they need those windows to see where the fuck they're going. Yes. Driving around, saving the day, or fucking things up. Um, and and that's all well and good. But when it comes to the end of the day, you want a little privacy. You want a little bit of peace and quiet. You want to block out the lights. Uh, you're ready to go to bed. You uh, pull that little string. Down come the Venetian blinds. <laughs> and, and, and you're... And I, I'm assuming Archimedes... Is, is asleep for the night. Um, and without that, you know, what are they doing? They're really just trying to pull 24-hour duty all the time, and that's unsustainable. So without the Venetian blinds, there really, there's no hope. Okay. And that's the best <laughs> I got. Uh. <sighs> all <Okay>. right. <laughs> Jafar? Um. Okay, so... In Watchmen, um, Ozymandias mm -hmm. uh, uses and manipulates Dr. Manhattan for his big plan, right? He's going to, you know, uh, depending on what version, if you're watching the movie, it's the, this is the part that's different than the book. Um, in the but book, we're using the book. We're using the book. Well, I'm clarifying because yeah. if you've only seen the movie of Watchmen, what I'm about to say will make no sense to you. Fair enough. Um, so at the end... Um, Ozymandias uses Dr. Manhattan to create an army of giant vagina tentacle monsters to destroy a bunch of big cities. Cool. 
um, that were created by an amalgama amalgamation of a bunch of prominent artists that go missing in different parts of the book, which kind of spurs part of the investigation, right? So after this, Dr. Manhattan is like, fuck this universe. Peace, bitches. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Okay. Double deuces. I'm out. Um, this I can't be here anymore. There's too much pain for me in this galaxy. And really, he just doesn't want to do anything. And what better place for <laughs> Dr. Manhattan to go to do nothing than this show about nothing set in Manhattan? That's really good. That's right. New season of Seinfeld. Dr. Manhattan is a cast member. Why is this dong out all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot do Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> no. That's a good attempt. Um, the only problem with that, though, is that is Dr. Manhattan in the same universe as Venetian Blinds. But he's not in, in the book. Venetian Blinds. Well, yes, but Venetian Blinds only exists in George Costanza's mind. So I just went with the, the logical step there that it's not... Okay. Since it's not a real book, it only exists in Seinfeld that he would go to Seinfeld. Okay. I can appreciate that. And part of me yeah. really does want to see, like, Kramer do his slide in through the door, and then Dr. Manhattan just walks in through the door behind him. Because <laughs> he's like, walls. <laughs> Why are you always doing that, Doc? <laughs> uh, this was a weird one. <laughs> yeah. yep. This is what we get for getting a... Double fantasy book. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I, I went too deep with that one, I think. Uh, but I do think there is a rather intense sex scene in Watchmen when... There's, there's a couple when, uh, um, in the movie. Yeah, but when uh, uh, I mean, Night Owl 2 gets, really... his, gets his mojo back. Yeah. And he and... Uh, uh, oh, why am I blanking on her name? Uh, uh, Silk Spectre Silk Spectre 2. 2. Uh, uh, bone down in the owl ship. They could really have used some Venetian blinds. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Seth. Two points. That was... I remember seeing that movie in theaters and it was the most awkward part about it because there were several people who were just like, it's a comic book movie. Yeah. Like the Spider-Mans. Yeah. It's like, no! Mm-mm. No. Nope. Man, I was really hoping that I could find something in Billy Crudup's, uh, who's the actor who plays yeah. Dr. Manhattan. Mm -hmm. I was really hoping like he was in like the background of an episode of Seinfeld or something. Yeah. I mean, there was enough episodes of it that if he statistically you could have yeah. yeah. hoped. Yeah. His career was time appropriate to be in like a one-off character yeah. in, that mo in that show, rather. Okay. The next match is Ben versus Seth. All right. Hmm. What do I even have left here? I'm going to go... I th I'm going to go with my most outside-the-box pick for all of this. And I'm going with the Long Patrol. Okay. And... I feel like I wouldn't be doing justice as replacement Chris if I didn't take Orange Catholic Bible. Okay. From Dune. So, we've got The Long Patrol versus Orange Catholic Bible. I'm going to go ahead and reach into 
re-re-revelations? <laughs> okay. Huh. That's... And one of those a is a colon, of... and this is formatted as a email. Huh. That's an unusual email address. On that from. Yeah. Doesn't really... I'm gonna stop looking at it. Alright. Create and pitch an original tie-in for your book. Games, movies, TV, etc. Ben. So... I think with where we're at, everyone is kind of wondering what the next new fantasy series is going to be. I'm also really glad I did not pick Game of Thrones for this one. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of people are thinking it's going to be another similar to Game of Thrones style thing. It's going to be lots of, you know... uh, Knights and uh, swords and lots of, you know, boobs and butts and intrigue. Mm -hmm. But what I think might be more interesting is if it takes a step to the side. We still get all of the, the, the violence and the death and the characters getting knocked off one by one. But we, we get rid of a lot of the, 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 the sex that has, you know, become so synonymous with, like, the HBO shows. And we make it something that is more, uh... Definitely cable, but not, uh, subscription service. hmm And what I think would be great about a, uh... A TV show based on, uh, The Long Patrol, but also just the Redwall books, is they can be self-contained seasons. Okay. There are... Like Game of Thrones. Well, no. (laughs) Uh, There are, I think, 24 books. Oh. uh, And you can do each book be a season of the show. And you don't have to worry with how is it going to end because you've got all the endings. You don't have to worry about, um, you know, signing people to really long contracts. So you get the fun, uh, deep cable prestige uh, actors, kind of like they did when they did Fargo, where it's mm-hmm. how did they get all these famous, amazing actors for this? Well, it's they said, hey, you get TV money for you know four months worth of work, and you're out, uh, and you still get just the fun fantasy setting. It's different. It's not a bunch of you know gruff people in leather. It's you know. Mice and rabbits and badgers and rats and weasels and stoats running around. They're gross looking in leather. Well, but do they wear leather armor? Uh, some of it's kind of weird. Some yeah, of it, yeah. it is. Now that I think about it, I mean, we do, and we're made out of the same stuff. I guess so. Are they all? Are the animals all vegetarian? Or are they appropriate? I They're suppose? appropriate. Um, okay. Some of them are. In. So, like, are rabbits who are like is do creatures that are normally vegetarians wear leather then? Um, because that's weird. They more, uh, armor is more reserved for the bad guys. Um, I think the few suits of armors we see on good guys are more like chain and plate mail, which is cool because you see like a mouse in full plate and it's just like, that's cute, but kind of scary because <laughs> mm. he's like wielding a sword and <laughs> coming yeah. after you. Um, the bad guys tend to wear more, more of the armor. Okay. But, uh, you get, you know mice and monk robes and you get uh 
the rabbits wear like 16th century uh uh like mercenary gear like flouncy pants and jackets and uh, medals and badges and all that stuff can i get a clarification here yeah are you pitching the tv show or a clothing line for the tv show <laughs> sorry you you brought up clothes and so i i i'm just I curious i kind of like the clothing line yeah. idea <laughs> i mean you can do tie-ins it is it is a, a it modern is a yeah. it is a modern full media uh mass market production and it's just a a great TV show that every season ends with a huge battle. You know it going in, and because it is just going to be predominantly CG, you don't really have to worry about uh, you don't have to worry about as much of the practical effect uh, you know expenses of building this huge castle to have you know extras running around in. You don't have to make all the clothes for everybody. It is all set into making this really beautiful CGI story season after season. Okay. Okay. Cool. Seth? TV shows are good. You know what's a little bit more immersive? Computer games. And computer games, especially when they're directed at children, to teach them, certainly not indoctrinate, but <laughs> teach them about the Bible and specifically the Orange Catholic Bible and all of the different morals that we should learn from it. Okay. So this computer game's got different levels for kids to play through based on different teachings from the or Orange, Cath blah, Orange Catholic Bible, such as, from water does all life begin? That's level one. Okay. Where you start out as a fish, and you're swimming around trying to get away from predatory fish and, and eat a bunch of little stuff, and eventually um, evolve legs and climb up onto the land. That okay. takes you into level two. Okay. Evo. Like it. Yeah. Um, and level two is based on, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Okay. Wherein, Island. Like it. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. Where you have to, it's, it's more, it's kind of actually built like a, like a animal crossing or harvest moon style game where you come up onto the land and now you have to go around and meet all the different people that are living there already and introduce yourself and bring them gifts and, and get all the little hearts. Get one to be your wife. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that the kind diaries. Of thing. Yeah. Totally not be creepy. That's uh, <laughs> exactly. You get put in semi indentured servitude to a badger. <laughs> or no, raccoon. Tom Nook is a raccoon, right? I think so. Okay. Um, and eventually you get to some of the more deep uh, teachings of the book, such as Thou Shalt Not Defigure the Soul, wherein you have to, you have to go through and. and um, resist all of the peer pressure from all of the friends that you've made to do things like like not get tattoos and take and on a take out unnecessary mortgages <laughs> yeah yeah tom nook you bastard <laughs> yeah and not like add you know augments to your mental abilities and things like that um and and then you get to the level based on the the um, the moral, thou shall not suffer a witch to live, wherein you discover that one of the townspeople that you've met is in fact a witch, and you have to rally a mob, chase her down, and stab her with pitchforks. Okay. Yeah. So that's just the general the general theme is going through and uh, learning about the Orange Catholic Bible and all it has to teach us, while being in a fun, immersive indoctrinating uh, story game. I thought you said it was explicitly not indoctrinating. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. 
to be fair, most of the Bible games I am familiar with are not indoctrinating in the fact that they are just so bad you don't play them. Uh, <laughs> well, that's fair. All right. Um, Have well, either of you guys ever played a Bible game? Oh I'm God, just curious. No. Uh, so <laughs> yes. Um, I've played the Bible game for PlayStation 2. The trivia one? Yes. Yes. Um, oh, that sounds I, so bad. I played against... Um, Two friends in college, um, we rented it as a joke, and we played, and uh, one of them at the time uh, was, I wouldn't say a devout Christian, but was a practicing Christian, mm-hmm. um, and I beat the shit out of everyone in Bible trivia. <laughs> I just wrecked house, and everyone was just all like, dude, there's, you can't, you can't just win Bible trivia, like, <laughs> y- you winning Bible trivia, that's probably, like... Mm, I don't know, dude. And then the next day, there was a giant storm, and one of my coworkers' houses got destroyed by a tree. That is a true story. I appreciate okay. that, but having having read enough of the Bible, I don't recall any stories where uh, God is mad at a person and destroys somebody two people relate uh, <laughs> related to them's house. <laughs> That's more of a Greek god kind of thing. Yeah. Well, who do you think was upset? <laughs> You know where my people are from. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that Thou Shall Not Suffer a Witch to Live level, though. That one's my favorite. And um, that kind of Battle Royale, hidden style gaming, uh, Town of Salem stuff is why I'm taking you, Seth. Yes. That was a solid pitch. All right. So, we're at the finals, mm-hmm. and it's Seth versus Ben. Hurrah. All right. What do I have left? Oh, you can take whatever you want. I know, but... But... but. Venetian blinds. <laughs> <laughs> Who picks first? You do. Oh, shit. If you don't look, you can pick whatever you want and then just think that it was your last one left. <laughs> no, I'm going to take Hogwarts of History from the Harry Potter series. Okay. All right, well, I'll finish my list out and go with Storm of Swords from A Song of Ice and Fire. Okay. Reach into this Bible here for the end. And that's just the lyrics to the Beatles song, The End. (laughs) Huh. I like this Bible. I guess uh, John Lennon was right. (laughs) So, uh, moving on. Your book's villain has you cornered in an alley. Oh no. Suddenly, in swoops Aretha Franklin. Yeah. How does she defeat them? Oh. Seth. Hogwarts of history. Who's the villain? Um, plot holes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Things the characters can't know at the moment, so they have a book that Hermione has just memorized. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to say that in this one, for Hogwarts of History, the villain is everybody's lack of willingness to read the book except for Hermione. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're walking down the street. You turn down the dark alley. It's mm-hmm. a shortcut on your way back to Diagon Alley. And, and uh, out from behind that dumpster comes um, willful ignorance. Okay. And you're like, oh no, 
I don't have my book with me. How do I combat this? Luckily for you, Aretha Franklin is very well read. And she, and she drops in and says, don't worry, I borrowed this one from Hermione and hands you Hogwarts, a history. And you thumb through it real quick and you read about the time that uh, uh, Salazar Slytherin um, put a chamber somewhere secretly in Hogwarts. Yeah. And you're like, ha ha. what you'd name that, <laughs> that secret chamber. Who knows? It was written a lot. It was done a long time ago. Yeah. Names get lost. Um, and you're like, ha ha, I have information now. And uh, Will for Ignorance is like, oh no, I, I am known. And just has to sort of like poof away. Those Harry Potter sequels have really gone off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> ben. So, I know people are mad and butthurt because they ne- they decided that characters who weren't the big bad villain of uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, they thought they were. But the, the villain of A Song of Ice and Fire is, and always has been, Cersei Lannister. I disagree. Continue. So... No, fuck that. We're going on this right now. All right. No, the Night King is the main villain. No, he's not. Yes, he is. When in history of A Song in Ice and Fire has the actual encounter with the big thing been the last word? George R. R. Martin is obsessed with the aftermath of what happens after the big event. That was his biggest gripe with Lord of the Rings right, is, oh, so now Aragorn's just king for a hundred years, and he was a good dude, so he's a good king, and everything's all set, whatever, it's good. No, that's not how he rolls. They defeated the main bad guy, the Night King. Man is saved. This is super spoilers, sorry. Um, (laughs) They've saved the day. Now they have to deal with what's left. Cersei is a B-plus player afterthought to the Night King, period. Okay. That's, that's why I'm the Red talking. Wedding doesn't end a season. It's why the Battle of the Bastards doesn't end a season. None of these things are the end of a particular story arc. I'm it's not always saying, what happens okay. after. I'm not saying that the Night King wasn't the biggest threat. I'm saying Cersei was always going to be the final villain. Yeah, because... And I, I disagree. But, like, Cer- Cersei is the wrap-up. She is the epilogue. Yeah, but she is that thing that is left. She is... Uh, Going back to uh, the Shire to kill uh, 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 Saruman. She is that thing that is left over that that last hurdle. She is the thing that will wrap up the story. So I only read the first four books, and I have not watched any of the show. What is the Night King's goal? The Night King wants is to kill the all of, of the humans. others. Right. So he's trying because to they ju- couldn't use the others because of Lost, which right. reminder, Lost podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so so his yeah. goal was to kill all humans. To kill all humans, but like to do right by his people. No. He was built as so uh, the children of the forest made the Night King because they were getting killed by all the humans. Yeah. And he was created with the sole purpose of kill all the humans. And just like whenever you make a robot that is set to kill all of your enemies, mm. he just kills everything. Because programming things is hard. Especially when you're not using binary and are using magic. And a dagger. But that's okay. neither okay. here nor there. And then, so then, what is Cersei's ultimate goal? Cersei's ultimate goal is kill all of our heroes and be queen forever and kill anybody who doesn't like her. Which is mostly everybody. Cersei is... 
the final villain of the show. I believe she will be the final villain of the books. We can't be sure. Um, I really think the Night King is probably the big bigger bad, villain, big bad evil guy. But he's the not final, the villain. final villain. And she's no, no, just the fact that Cersei is still there means he was not final. It doesn't say final villain. It says your book's villain. Okay. Well, Cersei is the villain. She has been the constant bad guy person. Just because the Night King shows up at one point, he is he has not been given any agency. He has not been talking. He has not been doing anything. But we have been dealing with the ramifications of Cersei being evil for five books. The Night King is a force of nature. Cersei is malicious and violent and evil. So, she comes up out of the out of behind the dumpsters, ready to kill you, because it's some back alley in uh, King's Landing, and she's just decided on a lark to go stab people, and out swoops Aretha Franklin, savior of the Seven Kingdoms, <laughs> wielder of the Seven Grammys, and she starts hurling uh, golden records down, takes out all of her Queen's Guard. And then with with a, a Grammy in each hand, just pummels Circe into golden dust. Because the only thing more fitting than being killed by your brother is a Lannister killed with gold. Oh, that's pretty good. Mm. And then, we didn't know it, but we always we find out now we wanted it. The show ends with a big musical number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but... Okay. Wait, you were taking A Song of Ice and Fire, the book series, yeah. not the TV series. Well, because we don't know how... Th- yeah. So, the Night King hasn't really the, shown up in the books. Yeah, he hasn't done anything. That's fair. Cersei is in the books yeah. and is okay. evil and bad and everybody else has pretty much died. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Um, regardless... Um, and this is not because of my quibble with you. I, I sincerely doubt that. Wait, wait, wait. Don't give it to um, me yet because legitimately the whole like Cersei Night King thing has gone on so long. I don't actually remember what my will, thing was. Willful so for, ignorance. Oh, that's right. And which how is a giant is good. problem with society. And I wish more people would fucking read and do some research and check Snopes once in a while before sharing something on fucking Facebook. Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jeff. My Uncle Jeff does one. Oh, you have an Uncle, uncle Jeff. <laughs> I actually sorry. have an Uncle Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh. he's, he's fine. <laughs> uncle Jeff's a great guy. There's no... No. Um, <sighs> none of, none, not besmirching anyone in particular here. Um, mostly because if you post a bunch of things without checking the sources, I've already hidden you off Facebook, so I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless... Willful ignorance is a giant problem with society as a whole right now, and I'd love to see it get smashed by Aretha Franklin, handing out books to people. Word. So that feels like one of those '90s read uh, commercials, and I'm in. (laughs) I am 100% in, and Seth gets the point and his first win of the podcast. Second win. Absolutely, I'm two for two. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he's 100%. Yeah, I got to get out of here while I'm ahead. All right. <sighs> okay. Well, at least you don't get to don't have to pick the next one. Oh, that's true. But you do, Ben. Yes, I do. Okay. All right. So next week, uh, we are taking it from from books back to the boob tube, 
and we are doing Saturday morning cartoons. So Ooh. pull yourselves, pour yourselves a bottle, or not a bottle, a bowl <laughs> of Lucky Charms, uh, and turn on the TV until Mom tells you to go outside. I will be recording that episode in my pajamas. I do um, have my my uh, red panda Kikarumi I can wear. Yeah. I always watch Saturday morning cartoons in my underwear, if you guys are alright with that. As long as they are under ruse. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Internet. Thanks, as always, to the Kickstand Band for our theme song, How It Feels. You can find their music on the kickstandband.bandcamp.com. And feel free to shoot us an email at draftuniverse@gmail.com. Let us know what your favorite fantasy books were, uh, and let us know uh, what your favorite Saturday morning cartoons are. Javer's pointing at me, and I yeah. don't know why. No, Do you want he, the third bit, or the, the last he, little bit? He'd have to be ready for it. Yeah. Uh, so feel free to reach out to us at twitter.com slash drafttheuniverse, or facebook.com slash, or twitter.com slash drafttheverse, facebook.com slash drafttheuniverse, and on either platform using the hashtag drafttheuniverse. Yeah, I couldn't have done that. That's fine. Thanks for listening, Internet. And if you like our podcast, tell your friends. We'd appreciate it. We really would. See you next week. Now, I had two jokes planned for that. One, I believe, far too esoteric. I thought using the Truman Decimal System. Yeah. Because Dewey defeats Truman and all that. Yeah, that's... That is a Keith percenter. It is a Keith percenter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that is why I went with Huey. And Huey have pretty a good. Yeah. Okay. Uh... Next week, we're drafting Beyblades. Suck it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he magically reappears in the bunker. Um, Man, I... I'd go out and buy some Beyblades. <laughs> <laughs>